Hello and welcome back to the Comic Books Matter podcast. I'm your host, Jesse, and with me today is a very special guest. She is a writer and managing editor at Uppercut. She co-hosts Palin Around, hosts Kiss Kiss Game Game, makes me cry with every piece she writes, and she will cry at the first note of Welcome to the Black Parade, Jessica Cogswell. <laughs> what a perfect intro. Um, hi, everybody. Um, that, was, that was so good. That was so sweet, Jesse. Thank you. Yeah, um, I feel like the further I go into this, the harder hard, harder it is to make fun, like not fun, make jokes of uh, in the intros with people because I appreciate you guys so much. And it's like, I respect these people too much to talk about <laughs> how much you guys like himbos and stuff. No, roast me, please. I, I mean, I'm not a part of the himbo brigade, but I, I mean, I still, I'm still fond of a good himbo. I just want... I just watched Hercules the other day, like the Disney uh, movie, and I was like, "Man, what a like what a prime example of just uh, a strapping young himbo." I mean, everybody but the two small demons can get it in that movie. I feel like true, true. I mean, not James Woods the actor, but James Woods Hades. <laughs> I was I was about to say that, um, but I didn't. I was like, "Oh, do we even want to go there?" We all know James Woods is uh, or James Woods. What? Yeah. What's yeah. I, I can't say his it, name. It doesn't really matter. He no, uh, exactly. He's he's a piece of shit. So, um, yeah, no, and like I guess I could have put it in there that you're uh, one half or one third, I guess, of the cursed Mark Ruffalo <laughs> fan club. I think the best part about uh the Mark Ruffalo fan club bit is that I've probably seen three Mark Ruffalo movies. Yeah, but once you've seen one, you kind of seen them all. Even if it's yeah. Avengers, like you kind of get the, oh. the shit with Mark Ruffalo. You know, I forgot he was in Avengers because that's like 50 movies in in itself because I've seen those. So I've seen him in 53 movies now. I feel like you have romantic comedy, Mark Ruffalo. You Mm -hmm. have superhero, Mark Ruffalo. And then you have drama, Mark Ruffalo. He's always like a journalist or something, too. Yeah. Or not that he's just a very somber character. Yeah. Some sort of like he's doing some sort of investigation. Yeah. I mean, but I do. I love Spotlight and I love Zodiac. So, I mean, they're both some of his best work so I mean. mm. um but yeah jess how, welcome to the comic show <laughs> thank you for having mark me ruffalo. on <laughs> yeah. mark ruffalo and uh hercules and himbos and everything that is not a comic book yeah i mean that's that's also part of it just getting to know each other and just talking <laughs> about in general the things that we like but uh today you brought me or brought me you brought to the show uh american vampire by uh scott snyder and ralph albuquerque Raphael Albuquerque, I Yeah. I'm excited um, about it. Yeah, I I read all the I read all of it way back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. but I only owned the first volume because I'm bad and I need to buy more books. Um and that's it's one of the most fascinating uh independent books, I feel like. The only thing I can ever compare it to is like lock and key, where it kinda like spans decades. Yeah, you know, I've never I haven't read lock and key, but I should. Um, I've yeah. heard it's good. Didn't they I, make a TV show? Yeah, they made a Netflix show, and I think the main story is good. I've never read any of the side stuff, and that's where more of the decade-spanning stuff even comes in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I I don't know how much you want to talk about the whole series as a whole, or if you want to focus on Volume One, wherever you want to go. So here's here's the the thing. Okay, so I own the first five volumes, or the first like five graphic novels, whatever you want to mm-hmm. say. Um, and I went back and I read like the first three of them, um, four, three, four, uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and I ordered, uh, six, seven and eight because I did not have those. Um, and then apparently they were lost in the mail 
Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it was really strange. I because I was waiting for them to be delivered. And it just it was taking longer and longer. I had a little like red notification by it. And then finally they were like, we're just going to give you a refund. I was like, okay, that's, that's fine. And then just everything else in life was crazy. So I was like, I'm not going to reorder them. It's fine. It's whatever. Um, and then I had talked to you too. And you had told mm-hmm. me that you had only like reread the first couple. And I was like, that's fine. We'll talk. And going back through and rereading, honestly, the first volume is by far the best. <laughs> so I feel like, I feel like that's okay. Yeah, and no, I know that first volume is very, very strong, and I and I don't mm-hmm. think, um, I don't think it's because Stephen King's writing those backups. Um, mm-hmm. Even though those backups are fun, I think it's just really fun world building. And yeah, from my memory, I feel like they don't ever get back there until the last storyline, which is like I think it's like this tenth circle or something, mm-hmm. where they're being hunted, and I'm like, oh, this is more world building stuff that we just haven't had in these last like five volumes. Yeah, and it, it just seems, I don't know, it's it's kind of weird because the the series as a whole, it feels like it bounces back and forth kind of a lot, but like some mm-hmm. of the side stuff is not quite as interesting. Um, like, I don't know, and I think maybe that's like the biggest thing is I like how in the first volume, you have Skinner Sweet's story of him turning into a vampire and like the, mm-hmm. you know, late 1800s, like wild west kind of vibe and then you have like the 1920s hollywood thing going on um which also kind of has like this wild west type vibe but like a different type of wild west you know what i mean yeah um and uh i and i like how it kind of ties itself together at the end um i you know what honestly I, okay i don't i i feel like i'm gonna bounce all over the place um oh, that's I, okay <laughs> we can always rein it in when we need to when i went back and i read these um when I got to the end of the first volume and you are introduced to the kid of um, Abby and Jim Wood. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she and Felicia who ends up like becoming basically like a vampire hunter sort of basically they want revenge on Skinner sweet for making Jim into a vampire. Um, And I really almost wish the baby would have been revealed to be like Pearl. (laughs) Like I kind of, no, I can see that. Like, I don't know. I was reading back through it and I was like, man, that would have been like just like a cherry on top at the at the very end. And maybe that's too like. No, because no, I, I felt cliche. the same way when I, when I was rereading it. I was reading the end of that and I'm like, that that's not. No, that's not right. Like, I, like my brain, my brain made that fiction reality for a second. I'm like, no, no, I remember mm-hmm. enough of the, the reading it back in the day that that's not correct. But that would have been that would have just fit really well. It would. And then like, because what I was going to say going off that is it would have made it to where honestly they could have just done one book or like mm-hmm. one volume and like ended it right there. And it would have actually been a really perfect story. And like, I don't hate that there's, there's more and like, it's, it's really good, but it's like that first volume is very, very good. Yeah. And I feel like the, the premise of like the, at least the idea of um, vampires through generations yeah, um, is a really cool premise, but when you follow the same characters through most of it, um, I mean, you, it's cool. You get to see them have, adapt to each generation, but at the same time, um, you lose kind of something with uh, freshness when it comes to it because you know these characters so well. Yeah, um, it would have it would have kind of been cool to see it more as like spinoffs because that's because it, it they all kind of go back and forth between like these these characters like because then the the second one starts off with like skinner and las vegas yeah um and like pearl leaving 
Los Angeles with uh, Henry and like kind of starting their own little life and you end up meeting Felicia and Abby who are, who want to hunt vampire. I, like, I don't know. It, it goes into all of that. So like it all, it all kind of ties back into each other and together, but I feel like it would have been more interesting if they would have just been like, this is the world. This is how we're introducing it. Like with this like parallel, like revenge story, because like, that's basically what it is. You see Skinner's like revenge story and Pearl's revenge story kind of simultaneously playing in that first volume. Mm -hmm. um, and like, that's a really cool intro and a really cool way of doing that. And then it would have been interesting to see them go to different characters, like you said, and kind of play out different stories in this world. Yeah. And it's weird that um, Skinner Sweet starts kind of, um, and he starts out as the bag. He's really like the main antagonist of the first volume, other than the other bad vampires. And, mm -hmm the further the story goes, he turns more and more into like an anti-hero to like the last volume I remember coming out. He was the hero. Yeah. And it's a weird, really weird evolution that you, you, you this guy, like the backstory of this character is bad. He's just a bad dude. Mm -hmm. And so eventually him becoming a hero at the, at the end of the, all those volumes, it's like, it's just a weird juxtaposition where he could have been like, uh, like a background villain the whole time. And you can see him pulling strings more and more instead of eventually him being coming in to save the day all the time. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's kind of interesting because it almost reminds me, and this is going to sound really strange, but it almost kind of reminds me of like the Joker as a villain. Yeah. Um, because the Joker in certain arcs, like the killing joke, probably being the biggest one is like an irredeemable monster, like mm -hmm. just does truly horrible things. Um, and like, that's why, I mean, there's such a big debate and I guess trigger warning for like sexual assault right here. Like what exactly happens with Barbara? Cause some people are like, oh no, like that didn't happen. But others are like, no, like it's definitely implied it did. Um, and it's, I don't know. And I, I think that, I mean, cause what did, did, uh, they officially say that like, yes, he did. But like, there are people who kind of ignore that because they want to still kind of see the Joker as like this anti-hero. I, I don't or maybe not even maybe not even anti anti-hero is the wrong word but like a cool villain who like oh but he has a point you know what I mean yeah the Joker is so weird because with every writer the Joker becomes something else yeah and it's that that's the one issue kind of with comics being a fan fiction that professional people get to write all the time mm -hmm. um where the characters consistencies can shift so often um mm -hmm. And I feel like they, they still have, they've never been clear with what happens with Joker and Barbara in that scene other than just her being shot and the pictures being taken. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like if they confirm anything, somebody's going to set the forest on fire. Like, that, that becomes the big thing with, especially with the really dark stuff. I mean, DC gets yeah, real dark. Yeah. But, like, stuff with the Joker, they just, like, they're like, you know, we killed that one Robin. And <laughs> we got a lot of flack for that one. Yeah, and I think like that's a, and like that's kind of what's interesting with Skinner is like you never want a character to be like irredeemable. But it's weird because in the first volume they kind of paint him that way. Like they say that like he, you know, is like a murderer and a robber and like they, they imply he does stuff to women. Like they, like he's like a really awful guy. So yeah, it's he's weird. Sleazy. He's super yeah. sleazy. Yeah, and so it's weird and like you can kind of tell like they want him to be sleazy but have like that like cool air about him um in the first one but at the same time to like make him go from that to being somebody who works alongside pearl um 
to being kind of like this hero figure. It's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's the same feeling I kind of have with the evolution of Jason Todd, and mm-hmm. um, the, 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 speaking about like the writers who write characters, that's a whole other can of worms about that character. But he starts off when he shows up as, as Red Hood, like he's killing mafia members, and yes, he's mm-hmm. killing bad guys, which Skinner Sweet does. Skinner, Skinner Sweet in the first volume is like setting Pearl off to kill all the bad guys and helping out when he can. But at the same time, he's still killing people. Because he wants to, and he thinks it's fun, and and same thing kind of with Jason Todd. He wants to keep killing the bad guys because Batman won't do it. Mm. But now in the modern stuff, Batman's like, "Yeah, we'll team up. You use electric bullets." And like, this man has <laughs> murdered hundreds, <laughs> and he's never done any time for it. Yeah, and I guess that kind of poses the question of like, I don't know, redeemability, <laughs> and like, yeah, like I, it, I, it's, it's really it's weird. weird. It is weird, exactly. It's like a whole can of worms. Like, you would think that Batman would be like, hmm, you've killed arguably more people than the people I lock away. But <laughs> I don't know. Batman doesn't on it. He doesn't really make a lot of sense. I love him, but he doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes. Yeah, superheroes in general don't make a lot of sense when she gets too yeah. close to them. Yeah, but, true. Um, going, going to the kind of the origins of everything. Jess, where did you start reading comics and like what were the first things you were exposed to? Ooh, um, gosh. So this is going to sound so stupid, but I'm pretty sure that I started reading comics because a guy I liked liked comics. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. I'm pretty sure that's why. It was in like middle school. Um, yeah, probably like seventh grade. What year would that have been? I don't even know. What I don't year was... if you're older or younger than me. So I'm 26. Okay, so I... we're the same age. Okay. So whatever year seventh grade was, I was class of 2011 because okay, I, so I skipped a grade. I'm trying to think. I would say that's 2005. That seems right. Yeah, that it's seems right. There. It's <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, so like 2005 is probably when I started. Um, and I mostly stuck to like reading classics and instantly I remember. Okay, so the guy I liked was super into Marvel. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I tried reading Marvel comics and I like, I'm they're They're good books. Um, like I, I like Marvel heroes a lot, obviously. Um, but like I, he Marvel zombies, I remember was something that I read. Um, gosh, what are some of the other ones? I don't even remember. I really liked, I don't know when it came out. So I'm going to make sure that my timeline is correct, but Joss Whedon's, um, which that's, I mean, a, that's a yeah, whole other that's that's a whole other thing too. But his X Men series, um, oh, that that was that was right after Grant Morrison's. I'm pretty sure. So I think that was like 2004 ish. Yes, actually, you're spot on. It was 2004. Yeah, uh, I remember Morrison's was like 2000. So yeah, I I read his uh, X Men run and I actually really liked it. But uh, now I feel weird saying that because as, as soon as I said, it, I was like, oh man, Joss Whedon's like. I mean, he's always been kind of shitty, but like now mm-hmm. he's really, I don't know. Anyway, everybody's shitty. Um. <laughs> it's, it's been very true. <laughs> I just have, I, I know I have hundreds of problematic creators books now in my collection. Yeah, honestly. Um, same way. Uh, but I read, I read Astonishing X-Men um, and just random things. I remember reading like the Civil War um, mm-hmm. books. Uh, and kind of like just like the big events is where I started. And then I I realized I was like, I you know what? These just 
like I don't know. And like it's stupid. I hate the whole Marvel versus everybody hates the Marvel versus DC like debate. Like they're both yeah. good. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Like it's just ca- like you don't need to have like this weird brand loyalty. Um, but I switched over to reading DC and I do, I do like DC more, but it's just more my vibe, especially like Vertigo. Rest yeah, in peace. Like, like the, the darker edge um, to it, because like even Marvel had their icon imprint and their Marvel Knights. Yeah. Vertigo always. Everyone, Vertigo was, was been around for decades. By the yeah. time Marvel pulled any of those out, but um, yeah, they just always pushed all kinds of crazy boundaries. Yeah, Vertigo is just. I mean, had V for Vendetta, which is really good. Um, Sandman, Why the Last Man, um, like just like so many good titles. Yeah. Um, and I, I really love. Like, I would say that as an imprint like like vertigo is my favorite um mm-hmm. like i said rest in peace <laughs> um but yeah i, I think I, I got pretty into that um and then in 2007 my man gerard way <laughs> who by this time i was thoroughly obsessed with i was definitely very deep in my mike and romance phase uh released the umbrella academy okay yeah yeah, and I really loved the Umbrella Academy. It has a lot of X-Men vibes. Um Yeah, and and that's that was really really good. Um gosh. And then and honestly, like through liking My Chemical Romance, I got more into certain comics too. Um mm-hmm. especially when Gerard became like more vocal about talking about the stuff that he read and like what influenced Umbrella Academy. Um like I remember going back and reading some Doom Patrol. Uh Yeah, just stuff like that <laughs> and like where did uh how did american vampire show up like, you, did you just find it one day like when you were looking through the comics you're like oh vampires uh so whenever uh what was it new 52 is that when dc kind of reset and yep. scott mm-hmm. yep okay so when the new 52 stuff happened in 2011 right yep. it was yep. my freshman year of college that's that's what i remember um I was stoked because I was like, okay, this is like a clean jumping on point because that's like the number one thing I think that keeps people away from reading comics is it's like, you feel like overwhelmed. You don't know where to jump in. Yeah. Um, And so I was like, okay, here's like a clean place that I can jump in. Um, And I started collecting a shit ton of comics. Oh my gosh. Like I have so, I have long boxes of like me buying all these single issues. Um, And so I started reading, uh, Batman and, and a few others too, but Batman, when Scott Snyder started writing, I loved it. Um, Court of Owls, fantastic. Um, and I just, I really liked Scott Snyder. And I think once I, I, I kind of started like following him more and he, he said he was going to do American Vampire and I saw like Stephen King's name attached to it. And once again, I'm going to throw <laughs> my chemical romance like out into here i I don't it's so stupid that i'm gonna have to bring them up multiple times but i mean it's how it goes the vibe of american vampire reminded me so much of like their album three cheers for sweet revenge no Uh, yeah i can see that kind of like yeah and uh kind of how it's more like it's what to say it but like three cheers for sweet revenge feels more of a violent album compared to everything else yeah it's like i it's I'm such a I'm I'm so lame with Michael Milk Romance. Like each one of their albums to me feels like a concept album. Some of them uh-huh. are more upfront, like Black Parade, 100. percent I mean, and even Danger Days, 100. percent You can, mm-hmm. yeah, you can tell. Like it, and like each one of them goes through a different thing. Like Bullets is very much like this horror vampire, uh, almost 
there's there's like some like Dawn of the Dead or not Dawn of the Dead. Um, yeah, no, Dawn of the Dead type stuff in there too. You have like early Sunsets over Monroeville. There's like this like zombie kind of theme through it too. It's it's very like yeah. rooted in horror. Um, and then Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge is like this Wild West revenge story, and it's not as explicit about like vampires being there as like the first album, but it's very much this like wild west undead revenge story everything is red and black and even like the art kind of reminds me of like Raphael albuquerque's art yeah um yeah and so it it has like this vibe to it and then obviously black parade is all about like death um and you have danger days which is just like super fun dystopian sci-fi shit it's awesome yeah Um, like comparing the uh three cheers too like and you said it was like a revenge story I mean, that's the first whole trade is it, it's a one long revenge story. Yeah. And it, there is like, there, it, I always feel like Three Cheers is the most horror I feel, out of all of them every time I listen to it. Um, it's, it's really aggressive. It's definitely it's, the it, most aggressive. It's very aggressive. It's very dark. And then like everybody talks about Black Parade being dark. But I'm like, the Black Parade's really about dealing with your, with your mental health and loss more than I think anything. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. I mean, that, I feel like. The Black Parade is like it's like processing and growth of these mm-hmm. feelings. Like yeah. the first two are just like raw. Like it's it's you know especially Three Cheers. Three Cheers is a very angry album. Mm-hmm. So when uh when you got to American Vampire because you chose this for the the main comic that you said yeah. impacted you in a lot of ways. When you first read it back then, like what about it has stuck with you and why did what why is it this this the comic you chose? I think that there's a, I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I don't want to just throw out like strong female protagonist because like, that's such a cheesy <laughs> thing to do. Um, but I don't know. It did say, like, I really liked Pearl Jones. I really liked mm-hmm. um, her friendship with Hattie, which uh, unfortunately ends in the first volume uh, whenever uh, Hattie decides to just completely betray her. Um, but I, I don't know. I really liked Pearl as a protagonist. I really liked the, the theme like throughout the book. Like, I don't know. I feel I like, I like a good revenge story. It sounds stupid, yeah. but I really no, do. Yeah. I think, and there is something about, it was almost kind of kill Billish, right? Like mm-hmm. this like scorned woman who's like, okay, now I'm going to get back at these people who, who made me this way. Um, and I really like kill Bill. Um, so I don't know. There was just like a, it was it was it's just a cool story. I really like the art too. I like how like I don't know frenetic it is. Um, it's yeah, messy. It's very, yeah, it's very uh, chaotic and um, it you can feel the. <laughs> it's weird to say this too, but so like you can feel violence when the violence happens. Like you can you can kind of yeah feel your body kind of tense when things start. No, happening. you're totally right. You're absolutely right. You can like it's just it's. Yeah, it's 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 really cool. I it, it definitely like makes you feel something. And like th- this book came out um like <laughs> early 2010s and I feel like at that point you have in like the 80s and 90s the start of like really strong female protagonists in movies and TV shows and such. Mm-hmm. Um but I feel like uh late 2000s early 2010s is where the boom I really felt like it was happening more and more in everything. Yeah, like a lot of female-led TV shows, a lot of female-led movies, and like even comic books became really female-centric and powerful. And I'm wondering at the same time where you were starting to go to college, like 
I was wondering if like all of that just like hit you. You're like, this is like the support system you needed was this entertainment. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But I and I think that one of the things though with Pearl that attracted me to her is she was a different kind of female protagonist because it's so there. There are a lot of female protagonists, especially like you said in the in the. 2010s and and so on like you see them a lot more and like yeah absolutely wonder woman's around supergirls around um you know all of all of these like strong strong women but women a lot of times aren't allowed to be kind of fucked up and violent mm-hmm. <laughs> um and pearl is and but she's not like i don't know it's it, she's she's kind of exists in the middle like she's vengeful and she is like I said, just a violent and she's bloodthirsty, obviously. Um, but at the same time, like she's still like, she's, she has a romantic partner and she's like sweet to him. She isn't like this monstrous woman. Um, and I feel like a lot of times when you have a strong woman, it's kind of one way or the other. You have like mm-hmm. this, like very strong stoic, like Katniss character who, uh, you know, kind of turns away more from from romance and stuff like that. It's kind of more aloof and, and has to play that part. Um, or you have, like, these super violent... I, I don't know. It's it's just it's it's just one way or the other, right? And, like, yeah. that's how it is a lot of times for, for female leads. Um, and so it was nice to kind of see somebody exist in the middle of all that. Mm-hmm. And I think what's really great, too, about... Um the first volume in itself, just focusing on that, is the two villains that you have. You have Skinner, who's like the new vampires. Mm-hmm. And then you have like the old guard, who are like the cult, and they're like, they're very classic vampires. And Pearl is fighting both of them, really, at the same time. And it's a weird transitional period, I feel like, then where the setting is taking place. But every day now, <laughs> it feels like still that women in general are fighting both old generation standards and new generational standards and not being told basically don't be yourself be this every direction yeah i feel like they're being trapped in in, in, like if they look at the past they look forward they're still trapped and to have pro be like you know what i'm gonna kill both of you and make my own (laughs) path is like something that isn't always there for female protagonists usually they're still set on the path of revenge by the person who uh, portrayed them, kind of like Kill Bill. Like, Kill, like Bill mm-hmm. never just goes off and does her own thing. She's like, I'm going to kill, get revenge, and I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like, Pearl's like, I got my revenge, and I'm still going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she still seeks to kind of live her own life at mm-hmm. the same time. Um, yeah, no, it's like, that's that's a good thing to bring up, honestly, because, yeah, it's, it's weird. <laughs> Female representation and modern feminism and and all of this stuff. And so much of it just like can seem so pandering. And there's this mm-hmm. whole and this whole movement with like self-love and and like I said, like this this kind of modern feminism. And it it gets really muddy and hard to traverse. And some like I even saw this post the other day and it was somebody had it on their Instagram story and it just said something along the lines of like, we need to kind of cool it with this whole, like this, I'm allowed to say bad words in this podcast, right? I'm probably, yeah, you're good. Okay. Uh, we need to cool it with the whole, like, 
oh yeah, be a feminist, suck as many dicks as you want, like kind of thing. Because like while that's true and like that's fine, at the same time it gets to a point when everything is so hypersexualized, like with like this owning mm-hmm. your body and your sex thing, to where like it hits younger teens who first of all already feel pressured by men to yep. kind of like do that and now you have people in their 20s who are preaching this message message that also make them feel like ah yes i need to be a feminist i need to be a woman i need to be sexual and take charge of my body yeah and like, you know it, and it has that weird side effect um i don't know <laughs> i don't know how much you've listened to or read up about um dolly parton dolly parton talking about uh feminism at all um but there was this recent podcast uh, th- that she uh, did called Dolly Parton's America. And they talked about, they asked her, like, are you feminist? Because Dolly Parton's been super, like, empowering and stuff. And she goes, mm-hmm. no, I'm not. Because back then, when feminism, like, first started for her, they were telling her that she was wrong for being as sexual as she was all the time. Yeah. And it hurt her. And so it's a weird thing where, like, you can go either too far one way or the other and not realize that some people need to, like, middle, stay in the middle and be whatever they want to be instead of being forced one direction or the other all the time. Yeah, I mean, like, that's such a misconception with feminism is that it means that, like... (laughs) You know, I don't know, you want all women to to stop shaving and to, you, you know what I mean? Like that, like yeah, the whole mm-hmm. image of like the anger, you know, but like, it, that's not what it is. Like, it's, it's, it's really very... just like, do what you want. <laughs> but and then it like kind of pivots the other way now where it's like, you see a lot of people. It, it was so funny. I feel like we're just going everywhere, but it's cool. We're oh, just going just with how, it. That's how it goes. <laughs> um, but there's a show, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen it? Yeah, I. I... I've seen a few episodes and I know the general premise. Okay. It's like my favorite show of all time, but there's this one song in it and it's called uh, put yourself first. Mm-hmm. And it's the funniest song. Cause the whole thing is like, put yourself first, but in a sexy way. And like, <laughs> it's just, it's totally what it is. It's like wear high heels, but just for yourself, like get this done, but just for yourself. And then like the whole time, the, the main character is like, but if I do that, like if I don't want to though, aren't I just doing that for other people? And the whole thing is like, no, don't question it. Like, like just you, you have to be super uncomfortable but it's cool because you're doing it for yourself it's empowering yeah. and like it's in like that's such a message that's preached right now um and so it's like it's weird you can't the whole the whole thing behind feminism is just allowing women to exist as women whatever that means for them yeah. um but it's so i don't know everything just has to be neatly cut <laughs> you know what i no, mean yeah. and, and put yeah, everything everything has to have a smooth edge where nothing really does. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you just have so many problems with modern feminism, just completely letting down any sort of marginalized group, um, mm-hmm. whether that's black women or trans women or, or just like just constantly failing them. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I, I, I saw that discourse earlier that what was it? Uh, uh, by women can't, or was it by women or was it just by people can't say these two words? And I was like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> I it's it's just like such a mess. I mean, the internet's a mess. If people are messy. Everything's a mess. But like, and that's fine. That's life. Life's messy. Life's but... very messy. Yeah. Um... Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and, and this book really represents that life is messy. And like the <laughs> and the idea of because um, the book is, is uh, especially in the first volume, it's a duality of like she's trying to be a movie star. Movie stars are clean and collected and everything. But then you just see that nothing is right everything's upside down what the further you get into like purity in that way 
Yeah. And I think like it tying back to it, like it's, that's what's so it's, it's like an interesting dynamic because you're right. Like movie stars, you have this like image of like high class society and, and, you know, like nice, pretty girls and like Pearl is attractive, but she's not necessarily this nice, pretty girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, after she's turned into a vampire, even less so, um, mm-hmm. you know, you see at the beginning too, like her and Hattie can barely make rent. They're both kind of like struggling. They met each other at a diner. Uh, Pearl's working three jobs and just like doesn't sleep. <laughs> um, and, and, and the idea of them being preyed on to by a cult of vampires is also I think I think more so now than ever, but it, it, it honestly it's it sucks to say it's in every generation and it's still today that the idea of hey that nice person that uh, you like a lot or the ni- the guy that's super nice to you that will help you in your career as we've been seeing in comic books recently mm-hmm. too uh, will throw you to their pack of wolves at any moment's notice especially, absolutely especially if it means that those pack of wolves will put in a good word for them later on. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, Chase Hamilton is the, like, movie star who mm-hmm. takes takes them to this party and with the ex- with the intent of feeding Pearl to the vampires to, like, be, to, like, getting good with them. Um, and even, like, in, in the first issue, too, whenever, like, one of Pearl's jobs is she's, like, a cigarette girl um, at some, like, speakeasy or whatever. Um, and she's passing out cigarettes and uh, some guy is like, oh, I'll take one of those and like one of you too or something like that. And like she just makes the face that like every woman has made. And it's just like because like you're at work, you can't do anything about it. And like you're a woman and you're in this like you're made to feel like you're in this submissive position. And she's just like, mm-hmm. ha ha, thanks. You know, like super awkward. And like the face that's drawn is just perfect for it. I'm like, man, like we've all felt that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. and yeah, cause like it definitely, it, it's, she goes from someone at the beginning who feels like very preyed upon, like she's trying in LA and not necessarily, I mean, she's, she's, it's implied she's talented, but she's not like some starlet really. Um, you know, she's just kind of going after her dreams. She's working three jobs. She has like men at her jobs, like treating her, uh, as like this submissive like kind of girl they can take advantage of and she kind of flips the switch on that yeah and i think that's another thing that the later volumes kind of lose is since it's such an expansive story Mm. you can't focus in on any real issues it seems like yeah it, it feels like whenever a story goes too long unless the arcs are definitively about certain topics a, a long form story can't really be super honed in on any kind of topic. And just, I feel like the older I get to the more I um, fall into thinking that like, honestly, everything is better when it's shorter. Oh yeah. I agree. <laughs> um, and like, I, I don't know. Cause like, I think that's even one thing um, everybody's talking about the last of us two right now. Um, and I haven't played it. <laughs> But um, I've just fifty hours watched. is too long for a single player game. Well, yeah, and I'm like that just sounds like because the game is what like thirty something hours. Like yeah. that sounds like such a long time to be that on edge. Mm-hmm. No, I you agree. know, and that's why like I love horror movies because horror movies are always like an hour forty. <laughs> like they mm-hmm. seldom go that much like much longer than that. And like that's all you need to tell like this real like solid good story um i mean that's not always the case like there are i mean obviously 
I love Lord of the Rings, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Like it's, it's fine. But for the most part, so a lot of stories are a lot more powerful and impactful when you just like drop it and, yeah. and you just let it exist. And you, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. It, I, it, it's kind of like when, uh, growing up in a lot of ways where we like, if, if you eat meat in general, like when you have a steak, everybody for some reason acted like as a kid that the fat was good. But you really <laughs> should cut off the fat off your steaks and stuff because it's not really good for you. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah, I completely agree with that. It's like there are so many movie series where I'm just like, man, if they would have stopped at one, it'd be great. But like yeah. we also, and it's weird because so many people demand like sequels and like there are a lot of people, I work at GameStop and people will come in and they're just like, so like, what's the best game for my money? Like, I want the most hours. I'm like, that's such mm -hmm. a weird way to look at it. I mean, you could, like, it's like, if you want the most for your money, you can go online and play that cookie game where you just click the cookie for hours. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, like, what like, does that mean? Yeah, like, I mean, I like generally at that point, I'm just like, well, do you like anime? And if they're like, yeah, then I'm like, okay, we'll get Persona because it's like 20 bucks and it's 100 hours. <laughs> and then your tweet goes viral. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I don't know how many times I've recommended Persona to people. It's like, eh, it's, it has a little bit of everything. Like, do you like turn based stuff? Do you like weeb shit? Go ahead. Yeah. The, <laughs> going, going off on just a really quick media tangent about yeah. like, no one's ever satisfied with anything. I, it's always like people are like, why are you rebooting this? Like, why do you guys have to keep rebooting old franchises? And they just announced that they were rebooting Beavis and Butthead, which, whatever. That's oh, yeah, the point. I saw that. But then, then I saw like, literally like two articles down from that like people are now petitioning for them to re reboot uh king of the hill if they're gonna do beavis and butthead i'm like what do you guys want <laughs> yeah it's so it's so weird i don't know like i it, it's it's towing that line between like innovative stuff and fan service for people mm -hmm. and like everybody's i mean like Final Fantasy 7, the remake just came out and like I was over here losing my shit because Final Fantasy 7 is so important to me and like I was super excited about that. Um so you know like I get it. Like everybody has something where like they want to see it come back. They want to they want to see it remade. They I don't know. It, it's just for me I guess like the older I get the more I'm just like I don't know, maybe we should just like let really good things be really good things. Yeah, like and and I think it comes to a big deal with comic books in general. It's like everybody has to leave their stamp on the Joker. Everybody has to leave yeah. their mark whenever they get these big characters. And like, I think just recently they announced that Green Goblin is going to be back in the new anniversary issue of Spider-Man. Like, why do oh, we need wow. another Green Goblin story? You know, and like, it's hard because like, I, I'm, I'm of two minds about all of it. Like I totally oh, yeah. get it. Like if I were like a, a writer, like for sure, I would, I would love to write like a Joker story or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and as a fan, like, yeah, there are certain things that you just like, like the Avengers movies happening, like maybe went on for a long time, but like, that was such a cool moment for a lot of people, like seeing mm -hmm. everything kind of come together. Um, and so like, I, I get it. Like I said, I'm, I'm I get it both ways. Um, but for me, there are so many things where I'm just like, if if you would just like let things stand alone, they're really good. Like it, I'll just like random examples. Pirates of the Caribbean could have been that one movie. Perfect. Jurassic Perfect. Park could have been the first movie for me. Perfect. Alien could have been the first movie for me. Perfect. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and even if like, let's say like, hmm, I mean, not Jurassic Park, but like Pirates, right? Pirates be that first movie, and then like right now they're talking about doing a female pirates. 
uh, Margaret Robbie because, of course. Um, yeah. But, like, if that was the first Pirates movie came out whenever it did, and then, like, all these years later, they do a solo Pirates movie with Margaret Robbie, it's like, oh, hey, cool. Yeah, it's cool. Now add a new yeah. one franchise. Well, and I wouldn't even mind more franchises that, like, exist in that, like, the same universe, but are distant from it. Um, like, which is probably thing. what I'm guessing they'll do with like the new Pirates movies because I don't think like Johnny Depp and Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley and stuff are going to be in those. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the best example of this is Fargo the TV show and oh, versus yeah. Fargo the movie because when the movie's different and then every season of the TV show is different too. I guess anthology is what I'm thinking. It's like if, if you can do a really strong anthology series yeah, I mean, the same themes. True Detective, I guess, would kind of be like that too. Yeah, like, if you like the first season, you don't like the second season, well, guess what? The third season has nothing to do with either. Yeah. We need more anthologies. I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But part of my thinking, this is a whole can of worms we could talk about off air, but my, part of my thinking is comic books should become anthologies, but that's, enough. that's no, a whole I, other thing. I totally agree with you. I would like to see that more. Um, so the second half, usually, of this, too, is, like, after you've read American Vampire, how do you think um, the storytelling or the themes that you got from it have stayed with you? Hmm. Gosh, I... I wish that I had a deeper answer. It's okay if you don't. <laughs> it's just, really okay. You know, it's like it's funny because like part of me thought to bring up Why the Last Man, because Why the Last Man actually probably is the most important comic series to me, but I was also kind of intimidated because of that. Um, because yes, you can come back and do why the last man, I promise. Okay. Maybe I will. I was just intimidated. Cause I was like, I love that series so much, but I also, I knew I would have to go back and reread it. And I was like, yeah, maybe. it gives me time to read more than just the first volume. Yeah. And like, I was like, also, I just don't know if that's aged as well. <laughs> like I was just nervous about a lot of things. So I was like, I'm gonna go with American vampire. Um, I don't know. The the thing with American Vampire, the reason that I was drawn to it is I think to me, and this is going to sound like, once again, another problematic person because everybody is terrible. Uh, American Vampire, the first volume, which I think is really great and could stand on its own, reminds me of a Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like Tarantino movies a lot. I know that he's like creepy and they're not probably as great as everybody makes them out to be, but I really do like Tarantino movies a lot. Yeah. Uh, and like that's what it feels like to me, or like a cool like John Wick type movie. Maybe not mm-hmm. as much like that tight action, um, but it just reminds me of that. And I, I've always loved things like that. And so American Vampire for it to capture, like you said, even in its art, the violence um, to make things like visceral like that um, when it's on paper is really cool um yeah. so shout out to to albuquerque for managing to do that like that art is just real great um i also really do like um stephen king's writing i haven't read a ton of his books i've read like the shining i've read desperation which i think is the weird one because that one i bring up and like no one's read desperation mm-hmm. um and a couple others i can't remember. oh uh, needful things um and i do like his writing uh, and you can tell, like, in Skinner's backstory, the parts that he wrote, like, you, you can feel that there. And it's yeah. pretty cool. Um, but overall, it's just it's just a really solid, interesting story with some some cool art. And it's 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 bloody. It's cool. It's fun. <laughs> you know. And like, I guess the, the best example, of, uh, I feel like, has affected you at all 
it's just fed in more and more into your vampire love. Yeah, exactly. It's it's different for um a vampire story too, I feel. Like it like that's another thing that's kind of alluring about it is this was like right maybe shortly after, around the time of the Twilight craze. Mm-hmm. Um it was it was shortly after it had to have been, because I remember Twilight was huge and like I feel like two thousand the, the last movie seven? probably hadn't come out yet. Yeah, so it was still definitely, like, in the zeitgeist. Um, You know, everybody still... And, and like, I I have nothing to say about Twilight. I'm not going to knock it or whatever. Like, I read the first (laughs) book. The first book was fine. I think I've seen the first movie. The first movie was fine. I never read anything past that or watched anything past that, I don't think. Um, It's it's all fine. Um, You know, it's... If people like that, whatever. Um, But... It was interesting to see like this wild west kind of vampire to see mm-hmm. this like to playing with the idea of like okay but what if vampires evolve mm-hmm. uh, like I mean people have evolved like why not vampires and since vampires are like these they have like these weird properties maybe it does happen kind of faster and you get like jumps like that like like playing with like these established rules and we also just so it's like before Twilight and this idea of like the sexy like young teen vampire it was very much this idea of like these european like elegant uh very sexual kind of vampires um that was that was really popular too like Anne rice type Mm -hmm. stuff um and or even or even like dracula you know what i mean like yeah uh so it was kind of interesting to get away from that and go back to more of like this horror type vampire but in kind of a different way it's like a it's it's such a weird category to put it in primal story where like these are characters that are trying to live their lives but at the Mm -hmm. same time their their evolution of vampires way more primal than the other ones are yeah like they're they turn into big creatures with big long claws and they can go anywhere and they're really fast Mm mm-hmm yeah. Um, and maybe there's so, something to be said with like America's like very like violent culture. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. That, that adds into it also. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I definitely think there's there's something there. The, the idea that America, which is true, but isn't true in some ways, the idea that like America was a way more ungraceful violence. When yeah. it came down to the violence it, it portrayed and how it, uh, like, I always think about how people, like, talk about Jack the Ripper was kind of like a gentleman killer for some reason, even yeah. though he wasn't. Uh, and then, like, but all, all of our serial killers are very nasty. Yeah. No, um, it's, and I think that part of that is, to, it's just, like, who controls the narrative, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, like... I mean, definitely the U.S. is more in control of that now, but it's, like, Great Britain, obviously, like... They like even their nasty stuff. They can they throw a wig on it and and make it classier or whatever. Um, which I mean, that's funny because that's kind of how the, the European vampires are in this. Um, mm-hmm. When obviously their violence and you know general like depravity is is no worse than uh, any other countries, any other societies. Skinner's Skinner's leaving like uh, is violent, but he's not leaving. Uh... Uh, what is it? A cavern of corpses. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Like catacombs. Uh, catacombs are fucked up. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, but yeah, I don't uh, know. So moving, moving from the American Vampire, they're going to some questions from people. Uh, Chris uh, asked, "Have you ever seen the Disney movie Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire?" <laughs> no, I haven't. But uh, sounds like I should watch it. Do you ever? Do you ever watch the nanny? Um. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With like Fran Dresser or whatever. Yeah. Remember yeah. The, remember the rich guy she worked for? Yeah. That's the vampire in that movie. Oh, that's amazing. I'm I always think of him as like. That. I always think of him as knockoff Pierce Brosnan. Oh, that's so true. You're right. Yeah, that's always how I thought of him. Uh, that movie. That movie. Something. Um. Uh, Glenn asked two questions. Uh, the first one Glenn asked is, uh, if you got the right chance to write one comic, which one would you pick? Oh shit, that's scary. Um, I think that if I got to, okay, so my my cheap answer is if I got to write a comment or a comment, what a comic? <laughs> um, I would do some sort of independent, like feely, like I one of the first like comics that I really loved was um, Blankets by Craig Thompson. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, like I would probably write something like it'd be some like indie, like small, feely. It'd be heart container, but in comic form, right? Which is, uh, I think, perfect. <laughs> um, but if I so if I had to pick like a character to write, um, I would maybe pick the X Men. Oh, I can see that. I I think that they. I don't know. Maybe that's an easy answer, but I just feel like you can play around with them so much. I feel like it's also very hard because like the X Men fan base is very phonetic uh, mm-hmm. with with how you present those characters. But I feel like you would have fun uh, pitching those dynamics in different ways that people tend not to touch. Yeah, so I I think that that would be probably the most fun to play around with is is the X Men universe. And then the second question Glenn asked is, uh, uh, which vampire would you offer your neck to? <laughs> Um, hmm, who is my favorite vampire? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be lame and I'm gonna Google like famous fictional vampires because <laughs> I can't off the top of my head. Um, is Tom Cruise one of those because of interview with a vampire? Yeah, he, uh, what's funny is you would think that that would actually like pop up. Oh, I have the stupidest fucking answer. Are you, are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. Um, fucking this is so lame this is so lame oh my god um so the vampire diaries is a show it is a show i've watched like the first i watched it up until the main character elena goes to college and then after she's in college i like lost all my interest and that show is just so messed up in so many ways um but i kind of i kind of have a thing for damon i would offer my neck up to damon Uh, speaking of weird vampire TV shows, did you ever watch? It only lasted one season. And the only reason I know this is because my sister was obsessed with vampires <laughs> too. Is um, there was a show called Moonlight. Never heard of it. Um, okay, <laughs> this is tangents, but this is the only way I connect things. Have you ever <laughs> seen like the Modern Hawaii Five O TV show? No, I haven't. The lead actor in that it plays the vampire in this, and basically he's kind of like not like a detective. But he's kind. Of, he just falls into like weird problems, and he's okay. like a yeah. But he's like a gentleman vampire, and he's like always walking around bro, like can't be in the sunlight and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I, I, like it was interesting enough to get a full. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Mikey oh. has. Oh yeah. 
had another idea too. You know oh. what other vampire? Um, did you ever read the Cirque du Freak books? I did. Oh my god, you did? That was so Darren Shannon <laughs> is probably the the writer who got me the most into horror as a kid. Yes. Uh did you read the Demonata books too? The Demonata books were so messed up. Yes. They're so messed up. Oh I my only god. Got, like, three or four books in the zombie, and that was by the time I was growing out of those books. Exactly. I never read those because by that point I like I, I was also growing out of those. Yeah, but yeah, I I wanted I want I always say the the there's the fourth or fifth of the Cirque du Freak books, uh, the the Vampire Prince. Um, that was the first book I ever threw against the wall. Oh, <laughs> because yeah. Because there's a death in one of those books that's so depressing that I was like, I can't. Is that um? Is that it's book a, nine? Uh, you know, it was like it was like book four or five. Um, it was like um. Uh, I can't, I can't remember any of these characters' names because it's been so long. Um, because yeah, no, the death that there's a death in that book that killed me too, and that's the vampire I would let suck. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I feel that. I uh, spoilers for uh, I guess the Cirque du Freak books then that came uh, out like in 2005. Yeah, uh, Larton Crepsley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his death in that series is so messed up because like the it, whole they they like pretend that like. Like, oh, but he got out of it. Like, the situation. And, like, they write mm-hmm. it like like everything's fine. And then, like, the next chapter starts. And it's like, but it didn't happen that way. And you're like, thank yep. you. Yeah, no. Uh, it's the it's the book where they go to the big old mountain. And they meet the the Prince of Vampires. And it's Kre- it's Krepsley's friend. And all of a sudden, he gets betrayed oh, underneath the yeah. catacombs. And he just gets demolished in yeah. front of the character. And I was so mad because he's such a good character. Those books, man, like... I mean, I think it's the second or third book where there's, like, a bear guy and he just rips off someone's arm. They talk, yeah. Like, they go into great detail about the guy bleeding out. Well, yeah, and, like, oh, my God. I remember in the first Demonata book, like, his whole Ooh. family is murdered. There's, like, a demon and on the... it's this, so like, gross. It's so gross. It's, like, it's very vivid. <laughs> it's descriptions. And these books are for kids. Yeah. You know, and, like, kudos to them because, like, that was something that I like that was cool is that like he didn't treat the kids that were reading these books as like kid like he didn't pull back punches they were pretty messed up and i don't know no one no one except for like i guess the demonata books because they got to rewrite history at the end but um Mm -hmm. but even circuit free books the main character spoilers (laughs) um it dies (laughs) like yeah those books like he sacrifices himself to stop the cycle which it was it was a good it was like a it was one of those endings to where, like, as a fan, you got to it and you were like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> but at the but same like, time. You're like, it's satisfying to get there. It is. Yeah. Like, you were, you were like, kind of bummed about it, but you couldn't be mad because, like, it made sense. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of a good ending. Remind yeah. me after, <laughs> after we're done recording to tell you about his adult fiction things because there's some weird stuff in that. Oh, <laughs> shit. Okay. I didn't even know he did adult fiction. That's probably horrifying. It's, it's, it's weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, Mikey asks, if you could have one vampire power, what would it be? Oh, man. Um, There's a lot of vampire powers now. There are so many vampire powers. Um, I I feel like the, like, shady but, like, honest answer is, like, I don't know, like, that allure slash manipulation. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's such a shady thing like to the say. Like, hypnotizing eyes. Yeah, like something like that. Because, like, I mean, there's different variations of it, but it's like, it's basically, it's like high charisma, right? <laughs> like, yeah, getting people. Yeah. You, like... 
you got to put a uh, full 20 on your charisma checks. Exactly. Like that's, that's what I would probably want is to be able to smooth talk my way in or out of things. <laughs> and like, I would, I would use it mostly for good. You know what I mean? But it's like, yeah, I, 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 I feel like you'd mostly use it to your job to get people out of, out of your uh, store that you don't like. Exactly. There you go. Um, so yeah, I would say like probably just like the vampire allure. And uh, last question uh, it would be what comic book would you recommend for someone trying to test the waters? Hmm. <laughs> so it kind of just depends on the person. That's true. Like I would say if it were some like like a younger person who who wanted to get into like superhero type comics um i might recommend court of owls like like the i don't know i think that those like scott runs new 52 like his batman run was pretty strong yeah don't Um, jump in anything scott snyder now because yeah, no, I think because like that's, I mean, that's why I jumped in at New Fifty Two is because it's like a clean slate. Um, yeah. You can jump in, and it's like you have the Court of Owls, and then it jumps into Year Zero, which mm-hmm. is just like Batman's origin origin story because Year uh, Year One exists, you know, already was yeah. made in the eighties, um, or was it the nineties? I don't remember. It's like eighties or nineties. Um, it was like eighties, yeah. Yeah, so I think I think it was an eighties one. I can't remember if it was like eighties or like the early nineties when that sort of stuff was still coming out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say like, that's good because it's, there are some people who find stuff like, there's some people who aren't as into like Grant Morrison and, and Mm -hmm. things like that, um, and find that stuff weirder to read or like the old comic style. So I feel like that run is like more modern. Um, it's, it's really good. Um, I like Scott Snyder's writing. Obviously I'm talking about American vampire. Um, I, but I think that, (sighs) I would also recommend like I think Saga is really good. Um, yeah, Brian K. Vaughn is just awesome. I feel like Brian K. Vaughn has something that a lot of people. I mean, he's he's most of his stuff's more mature, but um, yeah, Brian K. Vaughn stuff would be really cool. So I don't know. It like I said, it just depends. I would have to know the person, and I could probably recommend stuff better. But I yeah. think that my default thing, if you're somebody who just wants to get into superhero stuff pick up scott snyder's uh new 52 stuff there you go all right jess uh thank you for being on uh it's it, this was f- super fun um where do, can people find you what do you want to uh plug for the episode oh so i uh write for uppercut which is like a <laughs> i never know what to call it which is stupid because i've game critique and yeah, personal like- essays yeah, like games journalism, uh, and and yeah, features, essays, uh, articles, some reviews, not as much, but some. Um, so I, I have. God, I can't even talk. I'm so sorry. My brain is fried. Okay. Out of this. Um, but yeah, so uppercut, uh, and you can find us at uppercutcrit.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter, uppercutcrit. Um, and then as far as my private Twitter, it's jessicogs. So that's J E S S A C O G S. Um, and I'm not, when is this episode coming out? Uh, tonight, as soon as I'm done. Oh, okay, well, start working on it. Oh, damn. You, okay, fast turnaround. I will not plug the review that I will have out next week then. Um, wait for the review next week. Yeah, but wait for the review next week. It'll be out 6 a.m. on the 8th. I'm pretty excited about it. 
Um, um, Jess, are you guys still doing the Pride merch or did that end? We actually do still have it up. Um, part of the issue with that is because of COVID. We've been having, like, I can't, right now, I can't even add any more merch to our shop, which mm-hmm. I've been trying to do because I came up with, like, we have a few new designs, actually. Spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, some that are just, like, random fun ones. And then we have, like, one that I was I was doing an edit of one that already came out, but we, we changed the wording on it. Um, and I can't get it up because uh, everything is out of stock, so it won't let me set up new things to print. Uh, yeah, so we have our hands tied. So I'm probably just going to keep the pride stuff up, uh, throughout the summer. It'll go down probably at the end of like, I don't know, sometime in August probably. Um, so it's still up. If anybody wants to check it out, uh, uppercutcrit.com, we have a little tab for store. I just redid the website. Uh, so thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I did it all. uh, (laughs) Does the pride merch, does it still do, is it still like 15% goes to, um, what was it? Yeah. Yes, so 15% goes to like Youth Rhode Island, which is super cool because that is actually uh, a place that Monty went to, one of the people who works at Uppercut. Uh, she would go there as a child and they just help like LGBT youth um, or any at risk teens or youth um, and, and just like give them a place to hang out, give them snacks, um, things like that. So it's, it's a pretty cool organization and 15% of profits are going there. And that link will be in the description like it has been since uh, June. And I'll leave it in all summer. Since I know now it's going to be all summer. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Thank you. Um, and then there will also be links to help out all the other things that are going on right now. <laughs> um, and uh, for the, this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at ComicsMatterPod. Uh, Facebook at Facebook.com slash ComicsMatter. If you want to donate at all, you can donate at Patreon.com slash ComicsMatter. But I don't ask if you don't have it. because I know how things are in life. Um, and you can email me at comicbooksmatter at com. And if you want to be a guest on the show, have a story of impact that you want to have read on the air, or have questions for any guests, you can reach me at any of those places. Uh, abilities. And my logo for this show is done by my friend Steven. And the, song, the theme song for the show is Join the Restaurant by David Sizetsi, and I got it off of freemusicarchive.com. And uh, you guys all have a great and safe weekend.